Hello and welcome to Criterion Deep Dives here with your host, Mike. And uh, that song you just heard is actually a uh, an old collaboration between me and my, my guest today, uh, Spooky Mini Maze. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, my guest here today is Logan, Logan Lukacs. How are you doing, Logan? Hey, everybody. It's me, Logan Lukacs. And that was, yes, the Spooky Mini Maze song. And yes, it is on Spotify right now. <laughs> no, under <it's> not. <laughs> Come on. It really? No, it's under your name. You're going to host it All right. before, you know, between this recording. Well, I think that's prime for TikTok. Number the one, the thing I've learned about okay. um, audio publishing is that uh, podcast publishing is much quicker than <laughs> uh, music and album publishing on Spotify, or at least through my preferred music distributor. Through so, your own publishing, yeah, yeah. CD Baby, I'm looking for other vendors. We'll just put it that way, okay? <laughs> okay, so maybe Spooky Mini Maze isn't on Spotify right now, but. It's a Criterion Deep Dives exclusive, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. it's kind of part of your deal now. Yeah, yeah. You come to this pod maybe for movies, but you stay for the music. <laughs> you stay so. for the music. This is Mike's insidious <laughs> plot to get you to listen to his music, in between, which is funny because I've done the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, we got to get our work out there somehow. Everybody's got to listen to it. <laughs> Sometimes so, yeah, so that, that was the intro music because as, as I've been saying... Um, you know, this is only the second pod of the spooky season, but it's spooky season here in uh, Criterion Deep Dives land, mm-hmm. as well as out in the world at large. Uh, so we're doing horror thriller movies uh, for the rest of October, and um, I invited Logan on to the pod, and uh, that was basically the only requirement, other than that it be a Criterion movie, was that it's a, <laughs> a spooky movie. So, which I think, I think it's easy. I think that. Uh, you definitely have in, in my head like a predisposition for like a love of Halloween. Yeah, Halloween's good. Spookiness in general. Like like uh, Logan's an artist. Logan mm. Logan does a lot of drawings and um, paintings and yep. stuff. And I, I feel like there's a... I, I wouldn't say it's like heavily. Like I don't know you as like the ghost guy or whatever. But, but I, I do mean, ghosts. I feel like there's ghosts. I feel like there's like... There's Frankensteins. I get excited around... Yeah. The Halloween season. Yeah. The thing, I, the you have ha- a flair for the macabre. I have a flair for the macabre. <laughs> so I'm saying. Well, the thing, I mean, Halloween's great because like Halloween just has these built-in characters that everybody knows, and so I do an Instagram. Uh, I do an Instagram. <laughs> How old am I? Uh, I do a movie. I do an Instagram, and then I do a movie. But I do uh, on my, my Instagram's Logan Sketchbook. If you go on there, there's a lot of different drawings. But usually it's like animals and shit like that. But around yeah. Halloween, it's nice because. Everybody knows what a vampire looks like. Everybody knows what a witch looks like. Everybody knows what a Frankenstein looks like. And then <laughs> everybody knows a Frankenstein. <laughs> but Frankenstein the, is actually the doctor, in case you didn't know. Oh, I fucking know, dude. Okay. Everybody knows he's called the creature in the book. But uh, sh- shout out Mary Shelley. Yeah. But, um, Justice for Mary Shelley. No, but like it, anything on it, like anything, if you're like an artist, like if you do something that's recognizable to people, tends to get more traction than your own kind of obscure stuff so things about halloween i really like just like skeleton like a skeleton is a character in halloween time and like you don't really need to know much more besides the fact that it's a skeleton so i think to to go full circle you think the the macabre but honestly i gravitate more towards the goofy part 
of Halloween yeah. just because it's very funny that once a year we just kind of accept that this stuff is just kind of silly yeah. <laughs> and like really lean into it hard for a little bit. Well, and I also think that it's like part of the fractured uh, nature of like America's culture is the fact that like we can't like we have to have a silly holiday about the dead because you know when you think about like Mexico and they have um, Dios Muertos and and then also in this movie we're about to watch I've learned in, in Japanese culture they they have a similar holiday called the Bond Festival oh yeah um and it, I I think it only makes sense right that like there is some sort of festival that commemorates the dead that contemplates death um that really like spends time to think about it in a way and like halloween is almost done in a way that's like this childish sort of like <laughs> it ain't gonna I happen to us. look it in the eye right like <laughs> yeah it's like we're gonna like we're gonna skirt around it but we're not gonna actually like sort of yeah i'm a i'm gonna put a mask on i'm gonna get treats to make myself feel better afterwards yeah i'm a bug people by knocking on their doors. I'm a prank people, make them laugh. But I don't want to denigrate Halloween. Like it's a great holiday and 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 it's also a great occasion to watch scary movies. And I feel like especially this year in COVID in the year of COVID-19, this is something that people are really leaning into being home and sort of I'm seeing it everywhere online of like what scary movies are you watching? Like yep. what's what's your top 10 like scary movies? And um this is a this is a young pod, a nubile pod here, but it's a know, little baby pod. We leaned into the scary movies, so that was my only restriction for Logan. <laughs> on top of the criterion, is that just make it a scary movie. I'll have Logan back on to to really pick the full from the full breadth, the of full the, catalog. The I get to go. Catalog. Is this but, my trial run? Do yeah, I have to like I mean, pass? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sit down on that couch. If you think I passed. Tweet at Criterion Pod. Wait, Criterion Deep Dives on Twitter. Uh, Criterion Dives. Criterion Dives on Twitter. Yeah, apparently you can't go past fifteen characters on Twitter. On a Twitter handle? Yeah, isn't that interesting? I guess you had to limit it somehow. But yeah, I, I never I would thought think, about that. But I, I'm like, I guess I haven't seen any super long ones. Your name doesn't sound like a. I guess I'm Homework Pod because it couldn't. Criterion could do Deep Dives is like sixteen characters. Oh, you didn't want to do Criterion Deep Dive? No. Because there's, 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 there's more than one of them. There's more than one episode. You have to make sure it's plural. Okay, well, if you like this app, tweet at bring the Logan man back. <laughs> I think that's over. Yeah. Look, <laughs> the, the point is uh, Logan once again uh, ignored the rules and just I told me up. the movie that we were watching. So there's no reveal call. I know the movie. I've seen it. Yeah. And our listeners maybe don't know it, though. So do you yep. want to... Do you want to reveal the movie that we're watching? Mike, let me go into the thought process a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's okay. the most, uh, uh, you know, um, customer feedback has been the most intriguing part of this pod is okay. the search process. So you told me horror movie. You said, if you tank this app, you're never coming back. <laughs> so when you asked me on Criterion Deep Dives, I, I thought about a lot of things. Number one thing was the criteria for your Criterion. And that was that it had to be horror. And so, you know what I did, Mike? I put horror in the search bar. Wait, so I, did you Did you just type the word horror? I think that or I went to like genres and yeah, click horror. Yeah, I think maybe genres, I did that. Which is kind of <laughs> interesting based on like the Criterion Collection you would think is like resisting genres, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, but for sure, I actually took a look at that earlier today too to kind of like see what 
options we might have for for other guests coming on the show for the the rest of October. So. Yeah, and one thing that I found very quickly about the Criterion Collection when it comes to how it views horror is that it is a little all over the place. I would say that it has like elements of like thriller stuff, maybe like disturbing would yeah, be more inaccurate. And one note for avid listeners of this pod is that um, from episode four, the lure that Steve Vaccaro chose uh, was classified as a horror movie on the Criterion channel. I, I personally wouldn't think of it that way. I understand the horrific elements of it, but um, yeah, you're right. It, it is kind of all over the place. And, and, in, like, and there's certain ones where you, you see names stick out, like Guillermo del Toro has several films on the Criterion Collection right now, and those were the ones that I was looking at first, but then... Is that the, like, Toco La Pared? There's that... What's that movie called? Mama? Or... Oh, shit. No, I don't think... He might have been producing Mama. I don't think he okay. did Mama, okay. but he has, like, Los Orfentes, I think. Okay. Orfanos, Los Orfanos. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I think I've seen that. And yeah. there's a couple others. I had that on my short list, but then I was like, you know what? We all know Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. He won a Best Picture not too long ago with right. Shape of Water. We... Got a deep dive on Criterion Deep Dives. Right. And few of us know Nagisa Oshima. No, I don't. I didn't know him at all. <laughs> and so I I started gravitating towards Japanese horror films. How come? Uh, two reasons. Number one, I have found like kind of like Japanese lore on like ghosts and stuff really fascinating with like yokai and spirits and things like that. In addition to that, I'm like super under like malnourished on Japanese films mm. like anime sure i've seen all that kind of stuff and then like read some manga like the stuff that comes over here but like actual just straight up films like hardly any have i actually sat through and seen. have you watched any kurosawa before not really like that's a big gap in my film history so so i think that i i think that we would be remiss if we did not note that I, i've talked a little bit about my uh background in film school right and uh and logan actually not only was he in the same film program as me, but we had a lot of classes together. A lot so of classes together. When it comes to film <laughs> theory, the same class when together. it comes to film theory and criticism, we've kind of overlapped some stuff. You were in the you were in the Bergman class with me, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He we was like our have, favorite director for. We a while. might have to do a true Bergman deep dive. At some <laughs> we point. should. We watched we watched like thirty of his movies in a semester. But just to let just <laughs> just to let the the viewers and the listeners know. Uh, when I'm grilling Logan on, have you seen any? Uh, oh, okay. Uh, I see. Kurosawa, you know, I'm supposed to. It's have. coming from a. It's coming from a place of, uh, you know, film criticism of, of. You know, have you done your homework? <laughs> where, where are you at with this? So no, no, huge, huge gap for me. So I saw there's a couple that I sh- shot out. Uh, I don't remember the name of the other one, but Empire Passion is the name of the movie that we're doing this week. That's right, Empire Passion. I believe is 1978. Yes. And it's under the horror category, mm-hmm. and a couple things struck me on the description. Number one, the word ghost. In the description. Of the movie. I okay. saw a ghost, and I was like, yeah, yeah, sign me up, baby. I, I would say that if you have a ghost in your movie, then it can, ca- then it's like, it falls into the, like, Halloween for me. Yeah, it gets into the Halloween. Like, ghost is, like, one of the biggest things. Ghosts, and this, another reason why I chose this movie, is that ghosts truly disturb me. Mm. In, in motion pictures, when I see a ghost... Or in media, when like the like the the lore of a ghost is like very unsettling to me. What 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 uh, like specific visuals unsettle you? Is it sort of like the representation of a human, but they're like ghastly looking? There's that. It's it's more the mentality that ghosts tend to have. Like ghosts mm-hmm. are kind of confused. 
ghosts are kind of stuck in these time loops and yeah. they don't really know why ghosts are accidentally scaring people a lot of times just by their mere presence they're yeah. not really doing anything that scary, but the very fact that they're there yeah. is usually terrifying to people. They're in fact like, and we'll get into it later in this movie. They're usually they're kind of calm. <laughs> so it kind of reminds you of like uh, like somebody who's maybe a misfit in society a little bit. There's yeah, totally that, and I'll, I think there's something really unsettling about not knowing why you're somewhere, and ghosts have that in the sense of like they don't know that they're dead. Sometimes they don't know why they're lurking this place. And then to the flip of that, the people who are seeing the ghost don't know why the ghost is there. So there's an inherent mystery right there. Yeah. They're typically scared by it just because it's kind of the unknown. So in general, like I think, and, and anyone can imagine a ghost. Well, it's funny because I uh, I was thinking about this watching this movie and, and thinking about Halloween in general is that like... Um, in general, I'm very like I'm I'm a very rational person. I don't really believe in like the superstitious. I'm you know re- when it comes to religion, I'm not sure like where I land on on all of that thing. Uh, you know, like on the scale of like the the question of what happens after we die and everything. But like, it's funny because when it comes to ghosts, it's like so easy. Like I don't I wouldn't say I believe in ghosts, but it's the bridge for me to get to that point is so small. Like, like ghosts are something <laughs> yeah. that I'm still scared of. Like, I, I would have such an easy time believing if I saw a ghost or, like, if I, you know, I still go to bed at night and I'm like, what was that? Like, what was that <laughs> yeah. noise? Like, so it's really funny that, like, there is, I, I think a lot of people feel that way too, right? Like, like I think I saw something recently that's like, up to, like, 50% of U.S. adults believe in ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm just kind of throwing this statistic out there. I don't know if that's true. No, no, no. But like, it's it's fact. I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's real. Yeah. Right, wait, asked wait, wait, two wait, wait. People and one person said yes. I believe. In if somebody ghosts. asked us that right now, I'd say yes. What would you say? You would say yes. You believe in ghosts. I think I do. So the thing is, I would say no. So we're fifty percent. But I'm so telling the you that the is bridge correct. is very, very short for me to cross. From no to yes, it's quick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I would say that too. Well, it's. Like if like like if you ask me like do I believe in aliens? Oh, that's versus a... do I believe in ghosts? I think I would like be easier to say ghosts. You would think ghosts over aliens? I think so. Oh my god! <laughs> so I I am pretty po- I'm not positive. I'm like more skeptical of ghosts, but I'm very positive that there are aliens. Okay, all right. So well, there's no aliens in Empire. Ask your friends this at home. What do they think? <laughs> If you ask me about if I believe in Santa Claus, that's a whole nother. It's an immediate yes. yes. What else would, would, the, would the answer be? Right, exactly. Who brings the gifts to the good boys and girls? <laughs> but, so that's, that's sort of like the question animating this film. So yep. Empire of Passion, it's a, a traditional, um, what is it called? Uh, uh, kaidan. It, kaidan is the word for this sort of like traditional Japanese ghost story. Um, and it's uh, it's based on a book. It's directed by Nagisa Oshima from 1978. And uh, it won. This is the first thing that shows up on screen. It won the Mise-en-Scene Award <laughs> at the Cannes Film Festival. The Mise-en-Scene. Which I will say also is interesting. Um, I didn't get like any hint of this watching the movie, but it said it was a... It was a part French production. Yes. Uh, I only got that from the production companies at the beginning. Yeah. And there is, like, I I will say, like, in cinema, it seems like there is this, like, unique relationship between France and Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for a fact that, like, 
it, it's it's technically a French film, but one that we watched in our new wave class. Were you not in that? I was not in that one. No. Hiroshima Monimor. Did you not? See no, that? I did not watch okay, that. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we're gonna have to think of some uh, <laughs> Japanese films that Logan's seen, but um, <laughs> just none of them. <laughs> what about anime? I feel like you watch anime. I watched a good amount of anime. Yeah. So I was reading in research on this film because I was trying to like figure some stuff out about Japanese culture. I was reading that like in Japan, uh, like manga and anime is like just not consumed by like the native Japanese barely at all. Like, oh, okay. It's sort of this like foreign fixture, sort of this Orientalism of like the outside world of like what Japanese culture is. Yeah, yeah, bit. yeah. It's like a it's like an export that is not like consumed right like on the homeland even if it's like created like um you know locally by like people in japan it's just like not something that is like necessarily like in a factor of intrigue by like local japanese gotcha which is which is funny because it's like um the other japanese film we've done on this podcast seven samurai um we were kind of talking about the fact that like this movie was really popular in um america and that it like may have been like symbiotic and informing of like the american western but of course like the question and the thing that's always going through my head when talking about like these older foreign films is like how was this seen and received at the time by like the domestic audience you know what i mean um because there is a market for foreign films when it comes to like these international film festivals and when it for comes the sheer to, for the sheer fact that they're foreign the united states so yeah. yes for sure and i've always thought about that. Yeah, that, yeah that to me has always been really interesting that i think we can just by the virtue of i'm not saying that is the case with this movie or any movies that we've mentioned but when you watch a movie that has actors that you don't recognize and it has a language that you don't recognize and you're also reading, which is a really intimate thing to do. And yeah. my, like I think when you're reading, you start to like digest and think about the actual words a little bit more. Yeah, and, and you... for the and for the modern viewer who watches stuff at home, obviously, and has their phone in hand, like subtitles are immediately like, in, "Are you in or are you out?" Because yeah. you can't like multitask and be on your phone while you're listening to yeah. the subtitles. You have to kind of full stop watch what's going on. Yeah. So it creates this environment where you are kind of hugging the movie because like if you let go of it at all, you're going to forget or lose track of what happens. And it's going to, I think, affect your opinion of the quality of that movie for better or for worse. I think you're going to forgive performances that might be panned abroad <laughs> you know what i mean because yeah. you're not gonna have a good palette for how good a performance is but yeah, you're it's also- harder to judge when you have the um or specifically when it comes to language right like yeah. so like you can kind of tell from someone's like expressions and they're sort of like it just those general things of acting like is somebody like the looks they're giving or whatever but when it comes to like delivery of lines it's definitely more difficult to tell if that was good acting or bad acting when you're yeah. dealing with a language that you're but you're not familiar with. But what doesn't get sacrificed is story, I think. Like I think if you you right. have to have a really strong story and I think that's to use a recent example, a movie like Parasite, you can not know Korean at all, have the subtitles off, and I think you would still get the whole story. Like visually, I think you can make it happen and then like reading is enriching like to the subtitles and all that stuff, but you're still going to miss out on the performance just because you don't totally know. Like, yeah. it's hard to, to get the language, but... I think that's uh, a good point about Parasite, too, because Parasite is so, like... Um, the story is so embedded into the environment of, mm-hmm. like, 
the the poor family's home as well as the rich family's home like it they, it kind of tells the story that you need so yeah that's that's interesting but um yeah and i think for this movie too that that some of that logic might apply to at least for like the first half of it yeah 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 so yeah, let's um, dive into it yeah deep, so, let's deep dive into yeah it. so anyways this is a this is a film from 1978 it's based off a book and um essentially it is a um it takes place uh, near the end of the seven or sorry the 19th century japan it's like 1895 it's the edo period yes um so so it's uh people living in a village um and it follows a family and uh, a husband and wife and they have uh two young children um one who is closer to an infant age and one who's um you know, adolescent, like, teenager, yeah. 12, 13, something Eighth like grade. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, it follows their, it follows them and shows their life. And it, of course, this is like a pretty agrarian rural life in, uh, in village and everything. The The husband is a uh, rickshaw driver. His name is Jisa Bureau. And, uh, and then the, the mother's name is Seki, Siki. S-E-K-I. Yeah, S-E-K-I. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she does, like, some odd jobs here and there, right? Like, she's, like, serving, like, she's uh, like she's alcohol like, at, like, a wedding. She's, like, like, a tavern hostess. Yeah. She is... It's established that she's known in the community. It's unclear if that's, like, some sort of, like, full job or responsibility or if she just kind of, like, does that. I think, I think it's a kind of an odd job. Yeah. It almost seems like it's to get out of the house. And it also, I think, rickshaw driver is... A very middle of the road profession in the yeah. time period like she's not rich but they're not struggling she's just like very i think she just lives a very ordinary life well it was interesting because early on in the movie i she was like taking the rickshaw home mm-hmm. and i was like oh they must be like somewhat wealthy if she's just like because i was thinking like they were kind of poor at first but yeah and i'm like oh she's just like paying for the but rickshaw. it turns out like, it's her husband yeah it's like yeah it's her husband so her husband drives the rickshaw so it's like getting a ride home in a cab that your husband's the cab driver <laughs> yeah, yeah and he parks it at your house but then right. um oh it, it's also established that she is like quite like beautiful and striking for her age yeah which i yes. thought was interesting yeah she does sure. and if you watch the movie she truly does look like like the age is unplaceable. Like <laughs> I think, like within the first couple scenes, they make her look a little bit older, and then and and maybe um, older than she actually was, and then and then she kind of youthens. Yeah, throughout <laughs> a little the, bit throughout the, the um, film. Yeah, yeah. But basically, uh, there's a there's a young man in town who's just returned from. Uh, he's a soldier, and he's just returned from some war, or some sort of conflict, and. Um, you know he's he's in the picture and basically like her husband uh is, is like oh i i think that toyoji's sweet on you mm-hmm. and she's like what are you talking about and she like looks legitimately befuddled but then she's like kind of thinking about it yeah right she's like, well he might be yeah i guess it makes sense you did yeah. say i'm very pretty <laughs> right but so like very early on like i think the next scene like this guy shows up and he he brings some like sweet buns to her yeah um and then he he's already just kind of like trying to get with her um i think she's breastfeeding her child and he says like uh save some of that for me or like why does he get all the love or whatever so he's got a thing for breastfeeding yeah Um, that's that's kind of his kink (laughs) which is fine we we don't kink shame on this pod no kink shaming um 
but yeah so he keeps coming around and uh he, he seems to be into her and um and then at one point when he comes over um he's like kissing her and and kind of pushing her over and he basically proceeds to rape her right yeah it's yeah not even really a question it's, right right it's, so it's like it's sh- it's shocking to witness especially in today's lens let alone i think i think i mean the commentary still on the movie is that this is bad like this yeah. is not a cool thing that's happening but there's a switch that flips in her towards kind of the end of his aggressiveness where you kind of see this like heartbreaking moment where she sort of like relents and is kind of like okay and then i'd say like in that initial experience she's like she's very much like what are you doing yeah she's like super confused and like angry and upset right and like kind of i don't i don't really think that necessarily she seems pretty tortured by it like the rest of the movie i would say but it also seems like aside from obviously this rape that happens like it, it seems like there's um culturally in the town a bit of an understanding that people like sleep around a bit like as far as like adultery goes it doesn't seem like they're super puritan about like the values of like yeah. if people are sleeping outside of their marriage or not. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so so this is like the foundation of the relationship, and uh, and then she starts uh, seeing him again, and they continue to to have sex and sleep together, and um, the whole thing is obviously like uh, feels very icky because this guy this guy is just clearly like very conniving and just did not get a good feeling about him at all no 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 uh, he's like he's pretty evil seeming from the pretty, get-go he's very evil i i think he's like the source of evil in this like yeah i i don't even think you like put a lot of blame on um seki um, yeah no it's, and, and she's hard to i mean i think in essence like the, the source of evil i think is a good way to put this character's role in it if you view it purely allegorically yeah. If you view this woman is met with an very unwanted, um, I guess, temptation to put it in maybe yeah. in an eloquent way. Like she ne- doesn't necessarily turn it away at a certain point, but it is like very not much. It's very much not solicited. And but then at a certain point, she kind of gets like addicted to it. Right. And she feels bad about it, and I mean, a whole the whole moral play plays out from it. Like, there's no. Well, and her husband is kind of a little absent, right? Oh yeah, like, let's let's back up. Okay, like, so I remember my first thought watching this movie. I didn't like take active notes during it, but I took like my first mental note was like, this dude is like <laughs> just straight up the worst. Like, her husband comes back and he's just like whining about work and he's like getting his feet rubbed and he's just getting fed sake and he's yeah. just like fucking just like getting shot you yeah he's just get- he, he drinks the stuff that's harder than that's stronger than oh really sake. oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah. you i think it's a variant but from what i could gather sake is actually like categorized more as like a barley wine oh, okay you know in that in that ib or in that like alcohol in percentage range. um and uh and shochu is is closer to like a distilled uh liquor so uh um it's it's closer to maybe like a 40 45 percent alcohol or something, or whatever, <laughs> so, so he he gets he just so the very first like the first night you meet him he's just getting uh, and what seemingly is like a wednesday night after work he's just getting fucked up right and like getting his feet rubbed he's like taking a bath and like complaining about shit 
Meanwhile, uh, Seki's just like watching these kids and taking care of the house. Like right. she just has seemingly like very little to no existence outside of this home that she was probably forced upon and like very little agency over her own life. Yeah. And yeah, and I like, I think that it's just like, he doesn't seem like a bad dude. It just seems like there, yeah, there's no, I mean, so you like, you take the title of this movie empire of passion. Like there's no passion in their marriage. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. How long have they been married? I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but I do think that like, when this young lover comes into her life, even though it starts with this act of rape, like I do think she kind of comes around to this relationship in a way of like, she enjoys like meeting up with him and like sleeping with him all the while. She's definitely like very concerned about like, is the town going to find out or like, um, is my husband going to find out, you know? Um, so like, she's never just like totally on board. She's kind of being like used and manipulated the whole time. Yeah. There's like, there's very, I think she creates like the illusion of choice within herself that she starts to like, no, no, no. I, I do the, I do these like exciting, like risky things. And, um, I, I'm in, I'm kind of in control of this because to a certain extent I'm the one like letting this occur. Like I, I want, I want to see this guy now. Like I want to be the person that's like engaging in this illustrious act. And then that kind of leads to the critical point of the film. Yeah. Like she's, uh, they're, they're, um, so he's into breastfeeding. He's into going down on her and, uh, she gains pleasure from (laughs) these things. Um, but he's, he's doing that and he basically tells her she needs to shave down there. Right. Like, she he's like you you never shave like you should shave for me and he's saying that he's he's really fucked up he's like says it like four times or five times in a row just like shave like shave yeah it. and she's kind of doing she's going like ha nah and yeah, she's like yeah uh are you like being for real right now yeah yeah it's a and so then and then like immediately we jump cut to he's actually shaving shaving her vagina um and i just <laughs> so Anytime there's a shaving scene of any sort in a movie, I'm just like extremely on it. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, yeah. Like, and, and most of the time, what I'm thinking of is like a man like shaving his neck. Like, and mm. it's, there's a lot of like, like really like intense sound design of yeah. like the ASMR of like the, the blade against the like soft, like low hairs or whatever. Yeah. Um, and few of these scenes actually lead to a slit throat, but for whatever reason, and I mean, it's it's done intentionally, right? It raises tension. There's a there's a sharp edge to a person's body. And yes, it's being used. But anyway, so just to say that this scene is happening, nothing comes of it either. But um, but Toyoji's actually doing the shaving of her. Um, and this <laughs> this scene kind of reminded me of like once again, this is probably just like the Southeast Asian thing, but like. Reminded me of um, in Burning when uh, Stephen Yoon, right? Yeah. Uh, his character is like do like he he has like the whole nail polish kit for like the women he brings. Oh yeah. To his home and he like does their nails for them and it's this like really intimate thing but it's also like it also strikes me as weird that like the man is doing this like task for the woman in yeah. this like this very like feminine task right like I guess you could see that as like a really um, empowering thing or like something that like these women are enjoying but it it also feels like very manipulative and dominating 
Yeah. And especially in this sense, obviously. Like, she's, like, she's uncomfortable with it. Like, mm-hmm. she's uncomfortable with him shaving her. Yeah. And once they're done with that, he immediately is like, well, you have to kill your husband now. <laughs> yeah. And she's yeah. like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you have to kill your husband. Like, I shaved you. If he sees that, then he's, he's going to. Yeah. yeah. And, I, I like, I will say that, like, and, and the, there's definitely, like, a, a cutoff point, like, halfway through this movie where, like, kind of my opinion changes. But, like, I do feel like the first half of this movie, basically up until they kill her husband, is, like, very intense and edgy. Like, I felt like, I felt like they were doing things that, like, felt very intense to me. Um, and then I think the second half got, like, a little bit more melodramatic. But, like... Yes. This idea of, like, like the shaving, the, obviously, the rape, the, the fact that he was, like, into breastfeeding, um, her, like, negligence of her child, her like, her, like, position in society, all this felt, like, very sort of edgy and interesting and scandalous to me. Um, and the, the thing with, like, this idea of, like, we're gonna have to go kill your husband, and, like, she's, like, crying, but she's, like, going along with it. She's, like, I guess you're right. We're going to have to. Yeah. Like, it felt, um, it felt like a Hitchcock thing to me. Sort of, like, this plot that is hatched between people that is sort of, That's a good point, because it's, like, when you, when you watch it, while I think, I definitely try to find ways to, like, empathize with the scenario, what's going on. Yeah. Particularly for Seki in this. And I wanted to say, that's why I was pulling up the name of the actress is Kazuko uh, Yoshiyuki. She has, like, this amazing ability to, like, present this, like, tearful look. Yeah, she was really good. She was, while, she was definitely like, the best act, the well, best performance in the movie. And she's, like, can do this thing where she, like, she, like, smiles and then, like, a millisecond later she's frowning. And then, like, a millisecond later it's a neutral. Like, it's just, like, this amazing, like, range of yeah. like just face like yeah. to where like it, i think going back to some earlier stuff we we're talking about just like the, the sheer performance of it i, I think i could kind of tell without knowing a lot about japanese film I'm like that she's acting the shit out of this because she's so conflicted and so upset and so like exhilarated in this really like gross way that she doesn't know understand how <laughs> like or yeah. why and like and it and it all comes to a head with like the death of the husband and, and i will say I, I agree with you that i think there was a little bit more of like a like a fuse being lit at the beginning of this movie that I don't know I don't know if like the ignition matches the excitement of watching the fuse getting burnt like I don't yeah. know if like the fireworks show is like all up to the hype yeah because like yeah leading up to it, it is it is exciting because you kind of you get the sense like this husband's going to die like they're going to yeah, like for this sure. like cuz the guy the 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 main um he's a little bumbling right the like the husband he the he's, husband he's just seems kind of dumb like yeah. he seems kind of like a sitcom husband yeah <laughs> like just he like he actually Whoa. like I, I i was watching this all happen because basically the way that they decide to kill him is that they're going to get him drunk on his favorite drink shochu and uh like really really drunk to the point that he's like basically unconscious passed out and then they're just going to kill him and throw him down the well um and during this scene where this is happening, um, in the as far as like the procuring the shochu, she there's like a guy in town who has like the kegs of it. Essentially, she has to like keep running over to his house and like filling it up or whatever. <laughs> um, and so she keeps doing that. But like during this time, she's giving him more and more of this drink, 
and he's just like so inattentive to everything happening so like i was watching this happen and like of course i feel bad for this guy because i'm like he doesn't deserve that he's about to die but i'm also like he's kind of complicit in this like like she's acting weird and he's not even saying anything like (laughs) she's clearly acting different and he's not like hey is something wrong dear or like whatever like okay okay dude you know what like this has been going on for two hours. Like, you know what? You deserve to die. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you can't tell that your wife is like clearly in a fucking weird headspace. Yeah. Right? Like she's a, she's like more morally tortured, tortured at this idea <laughs> about what's of like, going should on. Should I kill my yeah. husband with this grifter who's she's like, like manipulated me. at multiple angles right now. She's like, uh. yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. And like, she plays that so well. So it's like, they do that, they get him drunk. And then essentially like, this Toyoji, he has no plan. He's like, do you have a strong rope? And she almost like, I almost read that when that happens too, that she's just like, wait, you don't know like how we're going to kill him? You yeah. haven't like figured that out already? Well, because she, I mean, even backing up a second, like as soon as the murder is done, there's this, what I sense was kind of this like weird completion by Toyoji. Like he's just kind of like, aha, I fucking, yeah. I did it. Got rid yeah. of the dude end of the plan like right. accomplished and she balls like she is yeah. like, like her like kind of like, what her, have we done yeah like just what she says like what yeah. did we do i can't believe we actually did this and he's yeah. just kind of like all right calm down yeah and i was then, really i was really engrossed in that and like so basically they strangle the husband they both pull on like other end of the rope they kill him like pretty quickly and she is doing that she's like what have we done how how did we do this i can't believe we did this and like just really crying like convincingly and there's a really striking shot when the husband's dying too where like his hands are slowly coming together as yeah, he's being yeah. strangled kind of like from behind his head on yeah, the it, it, yeah i thought that was for the amount i mean it was seven it was kind of disorienting to me i was like yeah. wait what where's this where is this like, totally is that are those his legs like what you know it gave us like this it gave us like a point of view of him as he was dying mm-hmm. which and I mean, I think in '78 they were like they were moving the camera a lot, but like I think yeah. this movie they hadn't been doing that a lot, so it was cool to see like a new perspective out of nowhere. It was very, it was kind of I mean it was scary. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. I'm a little scared by what's happening. One uh, one book that's always stuck with me that I read in high school is uh, Dostoevsky's uh, Crime and Punishment, and in that book, um, essentially, you have a young like Russian intellectual who decides that he could actually like cause more good by killing this old woman this old hag right Mm -hmm. who's like his landlord or whatever um and like donating her money that she's hoarding to like good causes so that's like his justification for doing this killing and he like thinks it all up and it's like he has this plan and everything and he basically uh he basically kills her with a hatchet like a and just yeah right over the head like right straight down the head um and the way that this is written is like really engrossing but um essentially like right when it's done he has this thought to himself where he's like the rest of my life will be a lie um mm-hmm. i can't he like thinks of his mother and his sister who like show up soon after and he's like i can never have like a real interaction with them again and i like i always think of this I think because, like, when I think about our culture and I think about, like, how interested people are in, like, true crime stories and stuff and and sort of the pathology of killers is just, like, is, like, how does somebody actually do that and, like, carry on with life? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and I see that with this character, too, of just sort of, like, 
she kills her husband and she realizes like there's no turning back like he's dead and i my life is different from here on out and like honestly like what was i thinking um and of course it's like just it just strikes me in that same way of like crime and punishment the rest of that book the character raskolnikov deals with it for like the rest of the book until he has to confess like he has no other choice like because he right he's not he's not a sociopath like he he can convinces himself to do this thing but like he knows that he can't live with the reality of it so and it's like kind of the same thing i think with both of these characters in this movie i would say more so more so uh seki the the mother yeah Um, toyoji seems a little bit more sociopathic but they kind of like built him out as a character a little bit as the movie goes on further on he just shows that that remorse that a cop person gets true yeah yeah like that 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 fear like he's more fear driven and then i think seki's more guilt driven but uh no i would say that yeah toyoji is just like this it like he's a he's like a really infantile force of evil right he comes from war which i think is like pretty like brutish and gross yeah but that's like barely talked about yeah, that well, I'm just saying, like, that his aggressiveness is yeah. this is childish. Like, I want it, give it to me right now, right? And I, I want this nutrition that you give me. I want um, this pleasure that you give me, particularly, right. and I want you to do it the way, and I want you to get fucking caught up in me to the point where I somehow convince you that I'm a good solution to this boring life you perceive yourself to have right now, right? And like Seki, to her credit, is like. She is kind of stuck in this life that she's fairly unhappy with, but her husband has his greatest sin is that he is a drunk, unattentive fool. Right. And she is living this totally unextraordinary life. And that Toyoji provides this excitement that ramps up to a hundred miles per hour immediately in the form of a murder plot against her her husband. Yeah. And like concocted the night of. And I think I think that's where she her yeah, right? And yeah. I think her switch flips to where she's like, Well, I'm fucking I'm in it with Toyoji now. Like I yeah. gotta be. Like Well sure, after the after <laughs> yeah. the murder, right? And then yeah. it's like and she she's totally like it's like they share this secret now too, right? Mm-hmm. Like like as the movie progresses, she's often like I'm alone, like right, because it's like it <laughs> In some ways, it's reminiscent of, like, the way that other movies kind of, like, treat sex, where it's, like, the man in a, in a heterosexual sort of, like, dynamic is, like, very sweet and, like, caring and sensitive um, while he's, like, trying to lure the, the woman. And then we see the characters, like, finally they, like, have sex. And then, like, suddenly the man changes, like, almost immediately, right? Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, the only thing that's coming to mind is, like, Timmy Shams and Ladybird, mm-hmm. <laughs> where he's, like, really shitty after they immediately have sex. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's, like, my sixth time. And she's yeah. like, what? I thought this hey, was You didn't say to be. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but sort of, like, uh, Toyoji's character is kind of the same way, where he's, like, really sweet and romantic and, like, um, kind of, like, really, really, like, doting over her. And then, like, after the murder's done, he's like, I can't be seen with you. I can't, like, sorry. Like, sorry, I'm not around. Yeah. Like, whatever. And she's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. you you fucking killed this guy with me, and now you're just nowhere to be found? And now I have to sleep alone with my children who, like, not to mention after this happens, right? So, like, after he's killed, we jump three years into the future, 
and the the younger daughter who's like 11 or 12 or however old she mm. is is around and she's like oh yeah i had a dream uh dad was killed and thrown down a well um, <laughs> yeah and she's like oh my god yeah he was how did you know that or whatever but um <laughs> wow cool dream right so like she's she's dealing with this with her children and like alone and of course like I don't want to give too much sympathy to her, right? Like, she helps kill her husband. Yeah. But she's very, like, much in a vulnerable state. Yeah, she's pretty manipulated into doing yeah. it. Yeah. But anyways, uh, you know, Tioji is just, like, nowhere to be found. And he, like, really doesn't have to deal with it. But we do see that he has his own form of guilt in the sense that, like, we learn that this, the residents of this village, basically, like, to, to start fires, they have to kind of, like, gather leaves mm-hmm. to start their fires. So, uh, Tioji, uh, is gathering leaves in this, uh, sack or basket of sorts on his back. And then, uh, he actually is going to the well where they threw, um, Jisaburo down and he's like, he's dropping leaves in the well, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's as some sort of like penance almost, or like reminder. And it's like, that's for me, the fact that he's doing that and it's like, there's there's this narrator, there's this like voiceover narration, yeah. um, that we're it's not really explained who's doing it, but it's like an older woman, and uh, she's like, uh, Toyoji did not even know why he was doing it, but like basically, he's throwing leaves down the well, and um, that's almost like the first sense of him as an actual like dynamic character that I get is like, oh, he has like some sense of like responsibility or guilt over this. Right? He's at like, least he's at least paying attention to what he did. Yeah, like, he's he not did- like full psychopath yeah yeah but part of me when i when i was viewing that it was i was like he's just trying to thicken the amount of brush around the body down there oh i didn't get that (laughs) like part of me part of me was thinking he's just trying to like continue to like build it because like somebody comes up to him he's like hey why are you throwing all those leaves down there and he's just like ah they're too wet you wouldn't even be able to light them anyway if you wanted to bro (laughs) and the guy's like okay (laughs) to me it felt like a penance right like an offering of like like an offering to this body like, yeah like some sort of connection with the living right and especially like when we think about the spirituality of this of this culture too sort of like um the culture they're living in like there's no hesitation to like believe in ghosts almost um like he, he's visiting it and he's he's reminded of it so um he does kind of view it like an altar yeah for sure and so uh you know they um the bond and also at this time the bond festival is happening mm-hmm. which i re- which i learned is essentially like the japanese day of the dead it's like a festival to commemorate the dead ancestors and it's um and it, ha- it, it takes place over the course of maybe like a week or two yeah um yeah so the, the daughter is back home for this um and so they are uh they, they're trying to go about their lives and uh the, the, the story that they're using as a cover-up is that essentially Jisubiro went to uh, Tokyo for work. And she hasn't really heard from him too much. And he's he's out there working and he's, you know, building And people kind of, like, like, tease her and prod her about it, too, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, and there's, like, like, you see one scene, like, kind of early on in the second half of the movie where, like, some of the other women in the village, they're, like, working in a field and they're, like, gossiping and they're, like... Yeah, she definitely killed her husband. Like, like <laughs> yeah. the town is kind of aware of it. They're um, like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. she just he just went away. <laughs> yeah, but um, she's actually visited by his ghost, 
in their home. Yeah, this is um, where it gets kind of cool again. It, it gets opinion. cool again. The ghost visits are cool. I just like the way that he's treated, and he's kind of like done up in like pale gray blue makeup. Yeah, as a ghost, but he's there, and um, like one of the first times he shows up, like he's maybe he's not even there. They're just talking about him, mm-hmm. and the wheels of the rickshaw start turning, yeah. which I thought was really cool. Like just very classic. Like that, like that is the shit I want from my like Halloween viewing. You yeah, know? it's like spooky. Um, and then yeah, he's he's showing up and like. And she kind of like accepts his appearance immediately, right? Like when he does show up and it's actually him. And she's like offering him uh, his drink, right? And she goes to like, uh, she's, she's all out of it. So she like runs to this guy who owns the keg in town and is like in the middle of the night, like pounding on his door. And he's, he's filling it up. I really like this scene because he's like filling it up. And as he's filling it up, he looks up at her and he's like, Oh, Jason Biro come came back, did did he? Mm-hmm. And uh she like you just kinda see her face like contorted, like scared, and then it like cuts back. Like yeah. she doesn't answer the question or whatever. <laughs> but it's like it's like really well done, I think. Um, sort of like this town like starting to sense like what's going on with this lady. Um but yeah, she like is feeding him and everything, but he he's essentially haunting her in this way that is like really personal and I think is also like I mentioned the Kaidan, which is sort of like this type of story, the Japanese ghost story. And it seems like this is the template for it too. It's sort of like the ghosts are always haunting somebody who's like done them wrong in the previous life or like maybe even they're like seeking revenge or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like sort of this like um, uh, unfinished business. It's like so, a guilt ghost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So so yeah the ghost keeps showing up the townspeople know and then i thought this was like really heartbreaking too is that like the daughter is just like the daughter sees the ghost and it's just like yeah i saw dad like um you killed him and threw him down a well and she's like i'm not gonna tell anybody but i'm never coming back yeah <laughs> so and it's unclear where the daughter is outside of I don't like, know. yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of this is like presented kind of like fairy tale like yeah. Like, so where you don't even need names for anybody. It's just like, and then the daughter left. Right, right, right. <laughs> it was like, the husband was killed, and the daughter found out, and the daughter left. I do have the daughter's name. Her the name daughter's is Shin. Name. Oh. Like a body part. Got it. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so how do we get to the scene where the barn's burning down? Because there's... I thought this this scene kind of drew me back in, too. And when I say barn, I mean her home. Yeah. Um, so, basic, so basically, the whole, I, I would guess, I mean, I guess it's it's kind of a two-act movie, but um, with like it a... It follows a typical three-act structure. I know, but for the most part. <laughs> so I'd say like... Actually, the, I don't know if it does. I, it's kind of two-act-y. I would say that the, the biggest problem, some of these scenes that we're highlighting, I think are interesting, but like in the second half of the movie... There's a lot of scenes of just the of just Toyoji and uh, Seki laying around talking with each other, talking about their guilt, about like what do we do? Yeah. And like I'm so sad. And like those scenes were really boring. They didn't do anything. Yeah. Well, no, and, and just it's it's, I mean, maybe it's just hammering home the fact that like how deep Toyoji's like claws are into Seki and all that kind of stuff, and just like you know we're we're in this together, and yeah. But you also see that Toyoji's kind of like. But like I feel like it was supposed door. to be romantic or something, and it just didn't like a Bonnie and Clyde I, type thing, and it just didn't work for me. I, I'm gonna say, yeah, I think 
I think the movie's like a little problematic, like in those senses. Like I think it's like kind of shitty. <laughs> like I, I think how they present some of the the passion between the two of them. I don't. Right. I don't. Like, I don't. Supposed to feel like empathetic towards. I don't them. think it holds up. Like I do think it was initially presented to be like these people might actually be in love, and I think the way we view it in a twenty twenty lens is like. I think it's a kind of, I think we just it's harder for us to take that pill that they like. Like I dig felt each like other. yeah, yeah. And well sure. It's hard it's hard to not just view her as like totally abused and like manipulated. Like well, but I think yeah, the movie won- I don't I th- feel like cuz I don't feel like they were they had like a great love to begin with. Exactly. So it's like I like I wish it had proceeded as like there really had grown this like great rift between them or whatever and like I don't know. I don't know. It it's just like, seems like Seki she got... felt like she felt like blackmailed or like held hostage by like she couldn't go to the authorities with this information because she would also be like culpable for it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. They, they got kind of stuck, and then he kind of like pulled out or whatever. And yeah, they it it turned to this moment where she's just. I, re- I remember there's like the one scene of dialogue between the two where she's just so distraught by the ghost showing up. Yeah, like this guy just kind of shows up. Like she'll right. walk outside and he's like in his rickshaw and he's right. like, "Hop in, I'll, well, I'll take he, you like, home." Gives her a ride home in the rickshaw and then he goes like, "I kind of forget which way to go home." And yeah. she's like, "Let yeah. me the fuck out!" And then he has to, she has to like break a a bottle over his head and then his face goes away and it goes. It's like those to me are like those were some of the best parts in the movie to me. Yeah, where it's definitely. just like it's so haunting to just to, even out of context when I would watch those parts, I'm like, this is kind of like a perfect little short movie because. I don't know a lot. If I didn't know, and this the whole... was a pretty short movie, hour forty five, or is it yeah. close to like hour thirty? I forget. It's hour forty five. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, if I just saw some of these scenes by themselves, where like a woman leaves a house from her lover and a ghost picks her up, and you slowly realize that it's her ex husband, like, yeah, I'm like, that's kind of interesting. Like the the small, like in its brevity, the movie kind of like shines sometimes. Where yeah. when I don't know everything that happened, sometimes these little snippets like really work for me. The ghost hauntings, I think, on their own were really, really powerful. Like, I thought they were really, really cool, yeah. and I think they were really stylistic. Yeah, and I like the way this movie looked a lot. Like, Oh, my God. Yeah. Some of the, the op- even going, the very, very opening of the movie, you, it's, it starts with her husband running the rickshaw, and yeah. that cuts both audio and sound out to a black title cards. Yeah. Back to audio and sound, oh, audio and visual back to just silent black title cards. I, I was like, this is really cool. Like it felt really modern for that. And then yeah. like some of the, like the pastoral like landscape shots were like really, really beautiful. Like kind of like the earth porn stuff that was going on. And then when you zoom in to kind of like the story stuff, I've, I mean, obviously that's kind of pretty, but it shines in all the other stuff a lot yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I think like just as far as wrapping the plot up, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they, they do eventually confess. Yes. Uh, and they are beat. They're whipped. <laughs> yeah. Like, as they're, like, hanging from a tree, which I thought that was a really cool shot. The yeah, those were... The kind of panning behind the onlookers, and they're getting beat, and there's, like, blood pouring out of them, and it's done in, like, a really raw, natural-feeling way. Um, and then... And then, are they killed? I forget. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, you have to back that up a little bit. Okay. If people really need the plot. Okay. So, they are so racked with guilt that they yeah. go back to the well to, to find dig him up to dig him up yeah and when they do they get like rain and or they get like grass and debris rained upon them and yo this was so funny because he was <laughs> 
he was like shoveling up the like the like leaves and mud and everything, <laughs> and it was all just like falling back down on her. Yeah, because yeah. it's a well. There's nowhere yeah. for it to go. Like he's shoveling it, and it's just like flying up. The and they're like and they're like kind of stuck down there, and then like eventually these like leaf blades come down and they stab her in both of her eyes and blind her. Yeah, and like this really kind of cheesy effect, but like it just looks like these two like grass blades go into these. Well, and they're also what the ghost appears above there, and just yeah, and he's the one doing it and all that kind of shit. So it's like basically the ghost gets his final revenge on them, and it's just like yeah, you come back to my resting spot, boom, grass blades in the eye, right? And then pretty shortly after there, do do they confess? I can't remember. I don't remember, man. You watch this. I watched it earlier today. today. I watched it. Three days ago. I was getting sensory overload. <laughs> but yeah, they, they get found out. And um, when they're hanging up in the tree and they're getting beaten, flogged and all that kind of stuff, the one the one guy is confessing yeah. to doing it. And then the woman... I did it, he, and he's like, I did it alone. Yeah, the, they're both confessing to doing it alone. Right. So they're both like, no, it was me. No, it was right. me. Which shows that like both of them view the guilt a little bit differently there is like a love in a relationship which i just i guess i just don't like relate to with the way that this relationship started yeah i think there's some troublesome stuff with that but like yeah yeah, yeah. i think that there is like an internalized guilt that we can all understand that happened with the two of them like where it's just like they they both feel so e like irrevocably guilty for what happened to this man and the right. fact that they just kind of try to live with it, and then nothing can happen. And I don't know, like it. And then they just they they croak, they die, and then they they pull up the husband's body in front of the two of them. Yeah. And I did think it was kind of power, was like cool. the voiceover, his body, because his body was so like desiccated. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It was like three. I mean, it was three years later at that point. Yeah. And then like the uh, the woman, even though she's blind, starts crying as soon as the body is in front of her, and she like there's no real reason why she would know that it's in front of her. Right, so it was right. I, I thought that was pretty like yeah. powerful, like that that to me, and, and that made the voiceover kind of worth it, even though it was only in the movie twice. I think I think so. I think and there was, was like no context for yeah. why there was voiceover, but like when I watched that part, I was like, this sounds like a cool scary story somebody would tell you. Yeah, it was all very, like, I, I think, like, everything aside from some of those scenes where it's just the two of them lying around, like, what do we do? Like, there were, like, yeah. several of those scenes. Like, everything else about the movie was, like, very, like, stylish and economical to me. And um, it's interesting, too, because it's, like, <laughs> this plot of them, like, killing the husband and then, like, trying to go on with their life and whatnot is, like, it feels very sort of, like, to an American, it feels like sort of this thing that you see on like your local news channel yeah like, yeah 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 like these honestly awful stories of course right but it's like these are things that happen of these sort of like um these sort of like twisted romances like often in like rural settings that are just like bound to fail and maybe they kill a child or like they kill a, a another lover or whatever and like the these people who like why why were they doing this? Why did they think they could get away with it? But like, I just feel like I've seen so many of these stories in like real life of like these sort of like weird twisted romances that end in murder. Um, and of course this is like a really like personalized dramatic look at that where it's like, you do kind of get a sense of the characters and like, I guess, I guess more of a sense of Toyoji as it goes along. Like mm-hmm. it, and I was reluctant to even have any sympathy towards him, but he does—he does kind of become a real character. Like when, 
when the when her house is burning down and he's trying to get in like, yeah he's, he felt he's, his like desperation and like his his sort of uh whoa sorry we just had some uh <laughs> i felt like it was in the apartment <laughs> it felt like it was in, like i felt like i had like headphones on was, like, <laughs> I know. like intercepting abroad like a separate <laughs> podcast like um yeah, you felt his, like, desperation and his love for her, which was weird. I think I was just, like, resistant to that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. So, um, so yeah, I, I did like this movie. It was interesting. And, uh, and you know, it's, like, definitely, like, a great Halloween watch because I think, like, once again, like, we have these ghosts that are just sort of separate from any sort of stories or whatever. But, of course, like, and that's the thing, too, is, like, I think the ghosts that are scarier are like, of course, ghosts that are real people that you understand sort of versus like these sort of like, who is this ghost? It's sort of like a a sheet, like, you know, like a little shape or whatever. Well, and it it kind of goes back to what I was saying about what makes me kind of scared of ghosts is these ghosts that don't 100% know that they're gone. They know Mm. that they act in these patterns. Yeah. And that pattern that they kind of act in like that, like automatic response, like that muscle twitch as you're dying is what people can kind of witness. Like when he's like, well, I know I have a rickshaw and I know I drive the rickshaw around yeah, and I know I take people home. So I'll, I'll, you want to go home? I'll take you home. And then like she starts riding. It's like, I don't know where home is. Like those, those kind of moments to me were like really haunting. And, but also like the ghost kind of knows something like the ghost can, like at any moment the ghost can remember like wait a second you fucking you killed me right you right right. wait a second and then like that ghost can become memory thing can become so much more sinister to them like they have these really loose like footholds on reality because they're so desperately trying to go to whatever the next world is it is weird too because it feels like it feels like how our like human brains work of sort of like existing in one realm and then remembering something else and like totally switching to another like you know uh, another idea that you want to like talk about or whatever but that's interesting that you say that because in the last pod i did with ellen we were talking about the um we were talking about return to gleniskull the short film with orson welles and Mm -hmm. sort of like the character that we see telling that story and um, how like he has this experience with ghosts, and they like invite him into their house, and he is staying there and like having a good time with them. And then like he leaves, but he has to go back because he forgot something. And when he goes back to the house, it's like a deserted old house, and it's mm-hmm. like no one's lived there for years. And then that character, who's like he's telling the story to Orson Welles' character in the car as they're driving along, and then like when Orson Welles drops him off at home, he's like, hey, do you want to come in tonight? And it's sort of like, this is like the classic like ghost story twist of like the character you've been following all along is actually a ghost. Yeah. It's like, it's the sixth sense, it's the others. And um, and then another movie I just watched on the Criterion Channel the other day, the uh, 19, in, in the 1970s, the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Where at the very end of the movie, it's like Donald Sutherland. It's like you've been following him along and you think that he's still a human while everyone else has been like turned into these weird like alien like uh, life forms or whatever. And uh, 
at the very end of the movie, it's like he runs into like one of the few people that was like still resisting, and and she's like they're pretending to be among the alien life forms, and she's like, she's like, hey, like I found you, and then it's like he looks at her, and there's a pause, and he just goes <laughs> and like points at her because like that's what these aliens do, and it's just like it's it's kind of corny but like it was genuinely shocking watching this movie because like you've been following him and he's been trying to escape the aliens but of course like you don't know when he he transformed or whatever but like yeah it's a great classic twist and um and yeah it it does it does have that feeling of like the ghost that doesn't know they're a ghost right yeah it's really eerie but um (laughs) has a lot to do with like feeling out of place and disassociation and like Lots of very human emotions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. And I, I mean, I just, I liked when they would, I liked how matter-of-factly they talked about the ghost. Like, there's a point where Toyoji's talking to her and she's like, hey, this ghost can't even hurt you. Like, he's just kind of scaring you and upsetting you. You know who can hurt us? The authorities. So, right, right. like, I don't care how much this ghost scares you, like, don't tell anybody. <laughs> right, right. And, like, all the townspeople are, like, pretty matter-of-fact about the ghost as well. And just sort of like, oh, yeah, I've been haunted by a ghost recently. Have you been haunted by a ghost? Yeah. Her friend comes over to stay with her, and I wrote this down. She's like, because I, I just thought it was funny. She was like, I hope the ghost doesn't appear in the toilet. Like, when she's going to, <laughs> yeah. going to the bathroom. Oh, we all got ghosts. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, like, if you want to... If you want to get a B plus on a film paper, you can just go like, yeah, of course the ghost is just guilt. Like the ghost is this thing that's following them around and haunting them and whatever, you know, and like seeing it in person is, you know, as effective as it's going to be to somebody who wants to accept a story for what it is. But I I mean, I got to say that like when it comes to like uh, academic, like academia of film theory and whatnot, like, um, yeah, I agree with you, right? Like the B plus is sort of like... (laughs) <laughs> writing a good paper and like getting a good grade in terms of like film criticism but the thing i learned in those classes is that it really does not come that easy to everyone yeah. like, <laughs> maybe i don't know i think like as a society we're becoming more much more film literate so well yeah but i mean i don't know i feel like it's it's, it's easy to look at that movie and go okay two people do a bad thing the bad right. thing comes back and haunts them. Right. The thing that haunts them to the point where the tension breaks and they either have to self-destruct or give themselves up and yeah. self-destruct that way. Like, like. But how can you not watch this movie and be like, "Wait, what is the Japanese view and uh, Japanese in Japanese culture of like ghosts? What is the Japanese yeah. culture's view of like rape? Because those things are all different, right? Yeah. One thing I was like, because. I had this thing in my head and I think it is this like weird American like manga view of Japanese culture, but it's like sort of this like intrigue or fascination around like, wait, what, like what do Japanese people think about like sexual assault and rape? And I I was kind of looking into this a little bit and apparently like Japanese or Japan until recently had some like really, really outdated laws based around sexual assault and rape and, and sort of like it it could only like charges could only be pressed if it was like, penetrative sex Mm. versus like anything else like sort of so in you know what does that even point to once again and but it 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 is just like how can you not watch this movie and have those sort of questions about like the cultural differences and and sort of like how those different subject matters are treated but um i don't know man it's just it's just different ways of looking at things it's like i think we're becoming more film literate but also 
we're also just watching like very easily digestible like 10 part series on streaming channels that like <laughs> yeah. really don't force you to think about things in a contained way like one thing that i think is like valuable about films is that they like really distill their points into like you know uh a two-hour window or whatever and sort of like make you think about it a little bit um not to say that tv shows can't do that but like tv shows often seem a little bit more interested in just like the mechanisms of the plot and sort of like the character's decision making or whatever whereas i think films can do a little bit more to like make you think about like a moral quandary or 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 something along those lines you know maybe an oversimplification but no 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 i think i mean like i think there's in the brevity of all of it you can allow yourself to to be like okay that was like potent and distilled maybe i should like think about what was happening a little bit maybe i should think about like what these characters mean like what their actions meant versus like giving yourself 10 hours of a tv show to be like okay in episode seven you're gonna find out what all these actions meant right, <laughs> like, right. Like, it's like no you just you just got it you already figured it out right and i will say like um one kind of critique of this movie Although, like, I think nowadays, like, an hour and 45 minutes is... And it has always been pretty brief for a movie. Yeah. I kind of think it would have been more powerful as a short film. Like, the whole story in total. Mm. Like, I think... Well, that, Like, from that, start and, to finish, like, I think you could have told this whole story in, like, 15 minutes. And that's what and I, I loved, think it would have been That's better. what I loved about the um, Re- Return to Glyniscall, the uh, the Irish short film with Orson Welles. Yeah. Is that it is really, like, and this is the Orson Welles thing, and we talked about this, but it's sort of, like the oral storytelling tradition and sort of like, or the radio storytelling tradition. And it's sort of like this really classic ghost story that is like a quick thing, but I think you're right. I don't know about, like, I don't think this movie had like 20 minutes, but I do think like, I don't think it had any business being an hour and 45, which is like, I didn't, I, there was no point where I was like twiddling my thumbs going like, come on yeah. on to the next thing. But I was like, I was trying to like really just think like, what is this story trying to cover? Yeah. What are the beats of it? And part of me was going like, I just, I don't, I, I think it's like a little longer than it needs to be. Yeah. I think like the best moments were like them agonizing over the decision making, them killing him and sort of like dealing with that. And then like sort of her dealing with the guilt and like her being just a really awful, like negligent mother. Like I did think, think that was a really striking moment where she was like, communicating with the ghost and then we like jump cut back to the real world and like somehow a fire has started yep. in her house and like her young child is crying and like she's just <laughs> she's awful she's like she's like i'm just gonna die it's fine <laughs> but like meanwhile her like little baby child is terrified he runs off into the other room and she doesn't even like go comfort him or deal with him yeah so i will say i think she's a pretty bad mother <laughs> Her concern is not with her children at all, right? Like no, not she usually. shows like no concern for her children, at least for the boy. The daughter, she seems a little bit like sad that the daughter leaves, but yeah, like, yeah. So, well, she's like kind of stripped away from her children. Like I think like the act of what happens to her, and then like the guilt of afterwards is like rips her away from that connection. Yeah, once again, it's the crime and punishment thing. It's like if you murder someone and keep that a secret, like you're 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 now removed from society. Like you can't, like you can't have a real meaningful human connection. So I, I, cause I feel like human connections are based upon like total honesty and like 
yeah, you're not going to just keep that a secret from, like, anyone you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or someone you would claim to be close with. Right, right. And you, like, you do, I think in real life, like, you can see, like, the freedom of people who maybe, like, did something. Like, they murdered someone or they, like, committed some serious crime or whatever and they're young. And they, like, spent a couple decades in prison and they were released. And they're, like, they're, like... They're, like, on their A-game in terms of, like, human um, psyche. <laughs> decency. Yeah. Or, like, not even decency, but just sort of, like, awareness and sort of, like, um, self-actualization. Which is, like, not an endorsement to yeah, kill people yeah, yeah. or commit crime. <laughs> you see, I mean, you go to jail for 20 years, you come out, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but it's more just, like, the the fact that you can't you can't lie to other people. You can't lie to yourselves to, like, really be... A real person in any way and it's yeah. like i don't know like people are gonna see through the bullshit you know what i mean like clearly in this movie they see through the bullshit they know that oh yeah sure he's in tokyo right yeah like the whole like, that, that that's a good point too like the whole no nobody at any point seems to be fooled right. <laughs> like everybody is kind of just like we we know like right right like we we get it like this dude came around your husband's gone i think we kind of get it and like everyone's kind of asking questions and like like the characters kind of feel like they're getting away with it but they're acting weird and like not like being themselves anymore and everyone's just kind of like huh you know what we did not talk about this guy at all the character who just like screams and shows up sometimes it's uh it's it's soyoji's brother who seems to have a bit of a um like a mental disability right yeah 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 and is that you're talking about well yeah yeah but i mean like i think he's an interesting character in that like he always he shows up at these like really fascinating moments where like he totally like like does this like jump scare at people (laughs) just like screaming but sometimes running around the town naked yeah and like to the point where people like dismiss him but he ultimately does kind of show people like to does he show them to the location of the well is that right like yeah yeah, he like eventually like he like he like starts they're like grabbing um uh oh my seki and toyoji and they're um like what happened what happened and the guy just starts screaming and he runs to the well and everybody goes there and they find the body and so like he's like this smoking gun the whole time like right like people like know that like he like i don't know he was he was like a thing is he was like a force of shit and like with no privacy right like that toyoji lives with his brother and then like seki obviously has children like like the kid must have been in the house somewhere when they were killing the husband right yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah i had this dream or like oh, no, when they were, were just... like when she was raped or when they were having sex or whatever so uh yeah i mean these people knew like yeah yeah not to mention like i'm sure the sound carried pretty well in that small little village so. <laughs> most likely yeah yeah so yeah so um this was a good movie i enjoyed it i i do i once again i did feel like much more connected to the first half um i felt like it got a little uh little bit like disconnected and dull in the second half but like i really love the way it was treated and i think just like as a ghost story or like as like a fable or parable it was really effective so yeah um what did you say you gave this a b plus is that what you no no no. i said if i was gonna if i was gonna uh do a b plus paper on this movie ah, <laughs> i would just say okay. no, no 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 i i would but honestly maybe i do give this movie a b plus maybe even a b but um mainly because i i kind of wanted a little more ghost in my ghost story. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I do, thought it was going to be more vengeful. I do think that the movie was very strong in the opening, uh-huh. but 
I think the moments where the ghost really got to shine and act like the kind of ghosts that I think disturbed me uh, the most and I think kind of gave a little bit of um, resolution to what happened to the, the dead character. Like I liked those moments and they, they all came in the weaker back half of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then the strong front half of the movie, I, I did really like the tension building, but it didn't feel like a horror movie. It didn't feel like a ghost story. It felt like a, a suspense thriller or drama or something like that. Like it, yeah. it felt like kind of like to say Hallmark is like really diminishing it, but like part of the plot elements were kind of like, to me, like not super what I was looking for out of a horror movie, but still for a good sure. movie. For sure. Um, and I think dipping my toes into some Japanese cinema, I was very excited to see kind of some of the same things that I remember seeing from like European cinema at the time when we were studying it in school. Yeah. And it was a Janus film. So that was kind of cool to see at yep. the top where I was yep. like, oh shit. A lot of those. Oh shit. A lot of those criteria. <laughs> a lot of those criterion. So um, there were parts of that where I was just like, I just like that type of movie. And like, I think in my day to day post film school life, I don't watch all the time, but coming back to it kind of felt like putting on a, a cozy sweater going like, mm-hmm. okay, what are we watching? This is nice. Well, that cozy sweater is uh, kind of how we feel about the movies and the programming here at Criterion Deep Dives. (laughs) We're bringing you back to the classics and to the basics. So, so yeah, I I enjoyed this movie. Thank you, Logan, for picking this. Ain't no problem, uh, brother. It it, you know took us down a new a new path, a new avenue. So, we will be back shortly. I think Logan is gonna have to come back to pick up movie once again from the full hell yeah full breadth of the the Criterion collection or the Criterion channel, I should say. But uh, but you know, thanks for uh, sticking with me for the Halloween season, and uh, we will uh, talk to you soon. It's spooky, it's crazy, it's elaborate and insane. The spooky mini maze will really mess with your brain. I'm really very sorry that we put you on the spot, but there might be candy or there might be not. I said there might be candy or there might be not. Well, there might be candy or there might be not. I said there might be candy or there might be not. Spooky Mini Maze 2013, Spooky Mini Maze 2, the second Spooky Mini Maze. Check us out on myspace.com.